Hello and welcome to the Behind the Mask podcast, the show that introduces you to the person behind the athletes, all in association with Empower Sports Management. I'm your host, Andy Moon. As always, alongside me is Mark Kelly from Empower Sports Management. I'm delighted to say our guest today, Portsmouth legend, Limvoy Primus. Thanks very much for joining us, Limvoy. No worries, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And good to see you too, Kels. You too, pal. Really good to sit and talk to you. Limbo, I want to start with, how would you describe yourself as a, as a youngster growing up? What kind of child and sort of sort of teenager were you? Yeah, um, I suppose I, I'd describe myself as active. Um, I lived in a high-rise block of flats and uh, on the 17th floor. So really to get out and play, I had to be a certain age, really, or my parents would have to be there with me. So, um, so, so I was quite active. Um, and I think I had a lot of frustration where I couldn't get out and play. Uh, but I think I was a good kid. I want to say that, aren't I? You know, I don't, I don't remember too many uh, problems in school. Um, but I think sport in some way made you in school somebody that people admired. So I just sort of, you know, done the things I had to do in class and you know as soon as sport any activity came about I was uh, always there and always up the front really so uh, sport was a real real joy for me um, and I think just moving into teenage years football became the focus um, because I just saw a cup final when I was how old was I eight or nine years old and uh, it's a Man City versus Tottenham and one of the guys Ricky Villa scored this amazing goal and at that point I thought to myself well if he can do it so can I but I don't think it was how he scored the goal I think it was the reaction of the crowd that like really drew me in because no one won that game I think it ended in a in a draw that game that particular game but um but after that football became the the thing that I really pushed on with um and even in that in itself, it was quite difficult to play. It wasn't easy because you couldn't just uh, find a local Sunday team. You had to know a friend of a friend of a friend to try and get into his team sort of thing. Um, so even getting into football was a little bit difficult. But, you know, I pursued it because I really, that was my passion. That was my real passion. So I think apart from disobeying my parents and going to sign for a Sunday team when I shouldn't have signed for them, um, I, I'd say I was a pretty, uh, I think I was a pretty okay kid. <laughs> Get my parents on there, that might be a different story. So, um, so yeah, so I'd say that that was me really, really active, trying to be obedient, sporty, um, and, you know, just try to work hard in what I've done like I say that's that, that's my rose tinted glasses view <laughs> when when did you think football could be a profession a career for you um when I first I, I say a year after I, I first started training with Charlton because I knew that uh when I got scouted as a 12 13 year old I knew that you were always on trial, you know, you, you, you wasn't too comfortable. And I knew boys that had been in the system uh, for a number of years. So they were more comfortable than me, you know, because it was what they, um, what they were used to. So, so that was, um, it was after a year and understanding that, you know, it's not, football's not going to be the same anymore. Football's not going to be the same like it was with your mates. 
Um, you know, I used to go back to the cage and play with my mates and technically I was better, you know, I was quick, I was sharper. Um, so it was going to be different. And I think it was that point where I thought, I've got a chance, not a chance as in I'm better than anybody else in the in my age group, but a chance that I'm in the system. I've been in there a year now. Maybe I could go go on and do something here. So um, so yeah, so it was about a year after being in the academy, and um, and you know, and understanding that this is a not just a highly pressured situation, but this is where if you want to play your football now, this is what you're going to is what this is what it's going to look like. And um, yeah, so it's, I think from that point, really. How did you find that highly pressed environment? Because I know you, you've been open that at times, you you know, you were fairly anxious going into to matches and such like. Yeah, I think throughout from the age of. I, I think I, if I go back a little bit, I was always a, quite a nervous kid, um, so I do, you know, they'd always, if if um, I remember being a pro and every now and again, there'd be a race between the fastest players, you know, they might be the five fastest and and you get those butterflies in your belly, you know, even as like a 28, 29, you know, you get those butterflies and it's the pre-race butterflies. And and when you're, when you're a kid and you get that, it either overtakes you or you manage it. You know, you don't know how, because you're not taught how to do that. You just somehow you do it and um and I remember going along to uh, a, a, an athletics meeting uh, with my parents because I've been spotted as one of the fastest kids and I turned up there and my friend was with me he was going to compete as well and I just said to my mum and dad oh I've got a bad leg you know and it was because of the nerves because of the nerves so moving forward um dealing with that pressure I don't know how I dealt with it in terms of um I didn't have a uh like something I went through in my head I didn't have anything like that I just it was self-talk hoping that I'd start the game well hoping you know it's more hope than than saying yeah I've got this under control um and I'd say that lasted right the way through until my you know late 20s you know not not so much the hoping but just you know what performance you're going to give to Dalian you know and walking on the pitch and not quite not being quite sure what you're going to give that that used to bring a lot of tension and and, and pressure so again how I dealt with it I just went from game to game did I enjoy it no that was the thing I wasn't enjoying it and and I looked at other players thinking to myself oh look how much they enjoy it Look how much they're really enjoying it. So, um, so no, it was a it was a difficult period. But you keep it, you, you you keep it within. You've got to put this this front up, or you know, you've got a uh, it, it's you know it's part of strengthening your character and and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, part of it is. But I, I think um, if I knew how to deal with the the, the the nerves and pressure, you know, as a in my early twenties. I, I often wonder. I wonder what my career would have looked like. I wonder what it would have been like. So, um, yeah. and did these nerves go right the way through? You know, when you were winning Player of the Year at Portsmouth, and you know, a really popular player with supporters. Were you still? Had you, had you managed it by that point? Are you still? You still getting it to some degree? Yeah. So I was managing it to to some point by then because 
by that time, um, you know, my life had uh, changed, uh, say, dramatically because um, I'd not too long become a Christian. Uh, my wife had an illness, and you know that was that was going. Um, so, with that in mind, you just there was a sense that I under, started to understand that football uh, wasn't a job because you know if you're paid to play. It's your job, you know, it, it, and I realised it was a gift and, you know, and I was there for a reason and, you know, and, and lots of thoughts that allowed me to understand that, you know, Linvoy plays football, but he's not a footballer, you know, he's, he's more than that. And, um, and doing other things outside helped me to understand that. So when I went on to the pitch, I went on to the pitch with a confidence that, you know, whatever I do today, it's always going to be my best. It might not get the right right result. It, you know, some people might say that's only a four out of ten. But at that moment in time, what I had to do at that moment is is the right thing. And um, and that just gave me so much peace. It really gave me peace. And, and like I say, I married that up with with uh, becoming a Christian and um, and just getting a, a different outlook on life that allowed me to see sport for what it really should be and not what I thought it was. Let's go back to the sort of early days. What was it like when you got let go from Charlton? Because in that, in that last season there, you weren't really you're playing too much, still, still fairly young, and then let go at the end of the year. Yeah, that was tough. That was really tough because off the pitch, I'd just become a dad. So Nathan um, was six months old. Um, as a young father, you know, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, you know, you 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 realise there's a responsibility. So I had a decision to make, you know, uh, at that moment in time, do I stay in football or do I uh, try and find a job? And, I, you know, and I thought to myself, you know what, football hours are good. Football hours are only like 10 till 2, you know, working 9 to 5, I don't think I'm ready for that. So I uh, decided to stay in football. But that, that hurt because you can imagine I got called up into the office. So there was um, Charlton's training ground as a pavilion area and uh, the manager's office is upstairs and the, and the, uh, the physio room uh, is downstairs and the kit room, you come through in the manager room upstairs. So you get called up and, um, and I, I sort of knew that I was going to get released because I hadn't had a good year, uh, a number of injuries. The season before, I think I made my debut and got man in the match and played six games and, you know, all looking great. Following season, uh, not looking good uh, in that sense. So I sort of had this feeling. And when he told me, I was, I was gutted. I was really, really gutted, really, like, my heart drops, even though I sort of knew it was, you know, it, would, it was sort of coming. My heart dropped, and um, and I don't even remember what they said clearly, but I remember walking down the stairs, and Alan Pardew was my teammate um, at Charlton at the time, and he said, "Oh, Lynn, what's happening?" So I said, "I've been released." And he went, "What?" He said, "Are they mad?" He said, "That's a um, you know," and the Pards could be outspoken. He, you know, he he don't mind speaking his mind, and uh, and he said, "You'll prove him wrong." You know, you'll you'll be a million pound player. You'll prove him wrong, and I was. Inside, I was like, you know, it still hurts. And outside, I was like, oh, yeah, great. But I remember getting into the car 
Um, you know, the, a, an old golf, I think it was, and the clutch had gone on it. So I'll try to get it in gear, you know, and <laughs> get, get it in gear, get around the corner and uh, just burst into tears and just thought, this is it. It's, you know, it's, it's over. You know, it's over. And, and I think that moment, you, it gives you a sense of, do you really want to be a footballer or not? You know, do you do you want to be in this industry or not? And um, you know, and I had a, probably a couple of weeks of just you know, moaning, crying, um, trying to hide. But in the end, you know, um, I said, "This is it. Come on, we'll, we'll go again." And Trish used to come with me to the park, time my runs. You know, Cameron, uh, Nathan in the pram. Um, you know, looking at me, like leaning over, blowing. Um, but eventually, yeah, uh, I think six weeks maybe eight weeks after that um I signed for Barnet so um so yeah so it was tough it was really tough a lot of anger a lot of emotions um you know and 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 through it I carried a lot of um pain um through through the rest of my career because of what happened there really Alan Pardew didn't quite make you a million pound player, but he did. He was correct that you proved them wrong, and he was uh, he was someone who was obviously bought you a few years yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because he after Charlton and me going to Barnet, he then signed for Barnet as a player, and then he went to Reading with Terry Gullivan, um, who was the Barnet manager at the time. And between them, they made, you know, they made a bid to Barnet and bought me. So, you know, it was on paper, brilliant. It really was brilliant. Uh, but again, football, is, it's a funny thing, you know. You, you think in football, you once you're in it, it's going to be right. You're going to go to, you, you know, the perfect club. Someone buys you and it's going to be great. And at the time at Reading... It was great, like I say on paper, but there were so many things going on off the pitch in terms of they were building a new stadium, uh, there was talk of takeovers, so no money was being invested. So I walked into a club where there was a lot of old players, when I say old, old in, they'd been there a number of years, and a new lot were coming in, and there was a definite like resistance, you know, you, excuse me, and and in the end, the manager lost his job because of it, you know, and, and we had Tommy Burns come in from Celtic and Pards came in. And, and by that time, I'd really disillusioned with football, really disillusioned. And um, and I think with that, that's that was coming to this place where, you know, what's what, what what's the, what's life about? You know, that's what I was coming to in my time at Reading. But like you say, Pards, he then went to Charlton later on you know, a few years on, and he took me there on loan as well. So he did like me. He did like me. But um, but it's interesting because it was when he was manager at Reading um, that my contract was coming to an end. And, um, you know, we will probably both agree to disagree. But, um, you know, we we didn't, it didn't end well in terms of that. So um, because of that, yeah. But football... Kells, as you know, it's like <laughs> there's so many twists and turns and people you think you're going to be okay with, it changes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you say, it's a part of 
it's a part of when you go through that career. I don't think people realise, as you say, you meet people, you get on with people, you don't connect with people too much or whatever. It, it is a it's a whole highlighted journey, isn't it? Really, when mm. when you go through it and uh, and you travel through football, but it's just interesting. So at this point, you know, within your Reading career, um, you're saying you know you nearly felt like giving up again. So what mm. what was the changing point after that? So um, interestingly. My contract ran out at Reading. Trish uh, had uh, depression at a point where depression wasn't really spoken about. So um, we just thought, let's get back to London. Let's get that with our friends. And, you know, whatever I do, I'll do because her health and everything's more important. And um, so we, we sold the house in, in Reading. Uh, getting ready to go back to London. And then I get a phone call from Alan Pardew to say that Tony Pulis has said I can go on trial there. And I was like, all right, okay then. But I'd had another phone call from my agent saying that I could, um, that Lenny Lawrence at Luton wanted to speak to me. So he said, go and speak to him first before you go on trial. So he went and spoke to Lenny and... Um, Lenny put like went in the office and he's got this board up with players' positions and he said, I'm gonna play here and he's moving it all around and he's saying, you, you know, this is what he can give you a week and you know, and it's more than what Reading had offered. Um and there's a division up as well, is back in the championship. So, you know, shake hands, all good, get back to Reading, because now we you know what we're gonna do. We're not going back to London, we're gonna go Luton. And um I've got an old mobile phone. So my agent rings me, so I pull up the aerial, you know, and all of a sudden my head like going, yes, 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 to no, no, no. Hung up the phone and Lenny had just been sacked. So it was like, I thought to myself, God, just because you can assign me, the board have sacked him, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm now thinking I'm out of the game now. I feel like I was when I was 20. You know, I'm thinking this is it. I'm, I'm definitely going to be out of the game. And, um, you know, we're going to head back to, to London. And when I went to tr train at, uh, went on trial at Pompey, I just knew, Kels, I just knew. I, I can't tell you how I knew. I just knew that it was going to be okay here. Do you know what I mean? I just knew it. But the change came, like, over the next couple of years where it was, I wasn't, um, like I say, football was important, but it wasn't the most important thing and where I'd made it the most important thing. Um, so it was a gradual change. Um, it wasn't overnight. And I think what solidified it was, you know, like I say, becoming a Christian and understanding that, you know, more than a footballer. Given how close you'd been on numerous occasions of, of quitting or exiting football were you often thinking about what you're going to do at the end of your career or were oh, you, you yeah. have to come up with a plan then and there yeah well that, that was constantly rattling around because you know the 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 option of going into coaching is an easy option if you know that because there's a pathway there's an easy pathway with that but it, I just had no desire for it. I just had no desire. But then I thought, what is it? What's my desire? Um, so, yes, it was rattling around for, an, you know, 
a number of years. And then, interestingly enough, it was when I went away. So Mick Mellows, the, the club chaplain, uh, he said to me, November, uh, I think it was 2001, he said to me, do you fancy going to Nigeria to do a mission trip? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Thinking, no chance, this is never going to happen. And April the following year, he said, uh, right, have you got your passport? And I went, what? He said, you need your passport? And I, my passport was out of date and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, got it all sorted, went out there and um, it blew my mind, blew my mind. And, and I remember traveling back and just saying to, to Mickey, you know what? If this if football ends today, and uh, and I can do what I've been doing for the rest of my life, I know that's it. So that all of a sudden there was a purpose. You know, there's a purpose to my life that I thought, well, it, it's helping people, and what does that look like, and and things like that. And I think when when something's running in your life, in, that's important. You know, your family's important, and but when you've got something running in your life that's important, it's like, it's like football becomes a hobby. And it's not, I don't mean that in a throwaway comment, but football becomes the thing that it was when you were 13, 14 years old. Um, and there's an enjoyment, you know, there's still a pressure, but you don't feel that pressure because you see, you see what pressure looks like when you, you know, you're walking around some real tough areas. Um, and was that light bulb moment perhaps related to the, you know, from when Harry came in two thousand and two, was that like was was that like by moment connected to how well you did for those for those few years? Yeah, without a doubt, because even you know a lot of people forget that that season that we got promoted, I was told at the start of the season I could leave, so that was coming back from Nigeria, funnily enough, and uh, having that moment, and then like feeling on top of the world and then you know your bubble bursts you know two days into pre-season so I was angry I was really angry uh disappointed but you know Mick just you know um summed it up for me Mick Mello summed it up for me and just said Lynn it's fine you know what just just do 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 what you do and just you know don't think about the outcome just do it so that happened and Eddie, Eddie Howe was playing in the first game of the season, Eddie Howe was playing right back and I wasn't in the team, uh, just on the bench and Eddie gets injured at right back. Harry's never seen me play right back. We've got another lad called Jason Crow who plays right back. So we've gone to warm up. All of a sudden, Harry's giving the old, you know, come on, come back. So I've um, shouted at Crowey, Crowey, he wants you. And as Crowey's running back, Harry's going, no, Limbo. And I'm thinking, what? It's going to put me on at right back. It's never going to work. So anyway, um, you know, he he, he, he sh like, says stuff in my ear and I don't know what he's saying because I'm thinking, oh, my day, my lungs. Kels, you know what I was like at running. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And uh, and as I walk into the pitch, I just thought, Lord, this is for you. You know, this is for you. And, and then, you know, a couple of other things happened that season where I was out of the team and, you know, a few injuries, I was back in the team and end up, you know, player of the year. So how I, I think that light bulb moment helped. I think it really helped. It, it, it took away again. It, I knew there was a pressure to perform because Harry wanted his players. I always knew that. But what I realised also was while I'm here, Lynn, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. You know, what you've got to lose, 
you know, and um, and I think Kels, you know this. You've seen many players over the years who who go into the last year of their contract and their performances go like that because they don't re- they they care but they don't care, you know. And when you've got that feeling, it's a it's a hard balance to have. It really is because it can go into arrogance, it can go to overconfidence, and it can go also slip away and lose your confidence real quick. So it's a hard, you know, it's a hard balance, but. That's what I felt like. I just felt like, well, okay, what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? So at that point, Lim, it sounds like there's a lot of perspective had gone on up to that <clears> point. <throat> and Harry had such a great way, didn't he, as a man manager to, to bring out the best in people anyway. Um, yeah. But for you at that point, I think, you know, it really sounds like you'd gone through that perspective run mm-hmm. uh, and come out the other side of that. And as you say, you know, when you have... You, you you have families, you have kids, you know, your whole shift starts to change a little bit. And as you say, the enjoyment levels start to go up. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one with the program that we're trying to run at the moment. We've got, you know, 18 lads on a, on a pilot that we're running. Mm. And there's some boys in the Premier League, there's some in League Two, but, you know, actually just talking to them and trying to get them to understand, you know, it's it feels like you're in that bowl, but there's so much more in your life that's going on. And yeah. You have to learn to try and grow that. You, know, yeah. you have to really try to learn to grow that alongside what you're doing, because otherwise, yeah. it takes a long time to actually work through those personal things that you're doing. But it sounds like, actually, through some of the struggles, which they say, don't they? You know, the struggle actually brings out some of the best outcomes you can have. And it sounds like you've worked through that and you come out mm. the other end, which is so good. I mean, I used yeah. to, I'd see you on a Saturday afternoon just before you go out. You know, I always had the the grace of sitting down below when it happened. And there would be that smile on your face. You'd come in or whatever, and uh, you know, and and you could actually feel it. You could see it that there was a real love for it at that point and a real enjoyment. Yeah, no, you're so right. You're so right. And a lot of people ask me now, do I miss it? I don't miss the day to day. Obviously, I definitely don't miss the political side of it. Um, but I do miss the competition. You know, I do miss the, you know, and someone. Um, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm got a bit of wisdom, but I haven't. I've nicked this from somebody. But uh, competition is you getting the best out of your opponent, and your opponent getting the best out of you. And I miss that. You know, I miss that because I've never. We always see it. You always used to see it as the, you know that's the team you've got to be, sort of enemy, sort of thing. You know what I mean? But you never. I've never seen it as actually. Um, I don't know, a left winger or a centre forward who I'm going to be up against. I want him to bring the best out of me because I want to be the best, but I also want to stop him at his best, you know. So thinking of it like that, that's the thing I do miss. But, you know, but like you say, the journey to get to that, you know, it takes it, it, it does take some exploring. And, you know, there are some, um, you know, some some falls. There are some things you have to face at times that, you don't really want to, but um, I describe it when I speak to the players now, I describe it as it's life. You know, I just say it doesn't matter what suit you wear, you know, what tracksuit, what, you know, work suit, life happens, you know, life happens. And and it's, you know, what you, what skills have you got to deal with the things that come into your life or what have you got that it's, prepared you for this you know and uh, and I think part of me going to Nigeria then India 
than China. This is going to sound strange, but it, it's it's allowed me to to be comfortable if I'm if I'm in the room with royalty or I'm with somebody that's you know got nothing at all and and and, and really struggling. I feel I can be comfortable with both because of the experiences I've had, you know, and um, and and remember I was born in Stratford, East London, some mink floor, block of flats, you know, and um, and to be able to do that and being a shy kid, that's the thing, it's being a shy kid and, uh, you know, wouldn't say too much. And even now I, I still would rather stay in the background and let someone else do it, I really would. But um you know, sometimes I know I've got to be out the front and and do things. So yeah. Just finally, as we time is against us, but when it did come, how did you find that transition out of out of football when when obviously injury forced forced you to retire? Yeah, so I, I I was really fortunate because the club Portsmouth kept me on as a in an ambassadorial role. So I had a year where my knee blew up. It was a, the time when the club was really in a mess. Um, so my knee blew up and I couldn't play, but they kept me on my contract as a player for a final year. Um, so I could have the operation, get my knee as good as possible. And then, uh, being an ambassador was, was great. I think two and a half years, if that, and then they went into administration and I had to leave, but I knew just by the end of, uh, just before administration, uh, that I, uh, that role had sort of come to an end. So then I'd been asked many, many times to go and, and, and speak at different things. So I started to take up those invitations. And then I started uh, to work for a charity called Christians in Sport in 2013, supporting young uh, players or players in the, uh, who are Christians or who are searching, you know, just like I was. And um, so I, I do that now. And I've just took a role with the FLE doing... Um, uh, doing some workshops for them as well. So in my heart, it's always been to give back to the to the next generation. And because the football world is a difficult place to to gain any trust, you know, uh, to be able to, to, to speak back into the football world uh, with no political thing, no agenda is good. It's really good. So, um, so the, the transition, that transition was easy, but, you know, we haven't got time now, but you know, there was, there's other things that the transition has been bumpy, really bumpy. But in terms of what I do on a day-to-day, -day, you know, it's great. But, you know, other things, um, you know, are still challenging. But, again, it's life. It's life. And, uh, you know, I don't cope with it well on some days and some days I do. But, you know, that's, uh, again, that's the learning and understanding and trying to get things right. Limbo, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on with myself and Mark. Fascinating to hear so much of your story. And don't forget, if you're a listener, you can always subscribe to the Behind the Mask podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. There'll be another one coming soon. Thank you so much for listening to this one.